and welcome to Repertory Screenings, episode 69. Nice. Nice! Uh, I'm Em, I'm joined by Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Hi. And uh, we're here to talk about some goddamn movies. Some goddamn movies! We reported on the goddamn movies. <laughs> we watched a movie. And we, there, I watched like six movies. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I watched about. a movie. You watched a ton of movies. You're in Movie City. <laughs> if you count movies that I did for work, I have watched seven films since we last recorded. Yeah. Boy. Two of them are for work. You know how it works. Um, uh, so I guess I'll go first, then everyone else can talk. <laughs> uh, first off, uh, me and Jackson did a blockbusters that patreon.com slash normal mapping. It's $5 a month on Soul, the Pixar film. It's not very good, but you should listen to the episode because I think the episode's pretty good. It's a good episode. You liked it more than me. Uh, but I, I was a, there was a process that took place during the recording. Well, I, I just was like, maybe I'll give it a bit of rate it three stars. And then we talked about it. I'm like, no, this is, I feel two stars about this. I, I we agree on everything. I just yes. like the consistent parts more than you. I, I do feel like there was, some, there was somewhat of a talking down that went, went on. <laughs> um, yeah, you're always uh, tempering my generosity. That's not always true, but it is true in the case of <laughs> Pixar's Soul, which is a bad movie. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, um, so I watched The Great Train Robbery. What are they doing that? Uh, they, <laughs> they rob a train. This is, this is a 1903 silent film um, made by Edwin S. Porter. It's like... It's it's like one of the like a big like first blockbusters I guess it's like twelve minutes long, and it's about it, like some robber guys who rob a train in the old west and uh, stick everyone up and then steal the car and then um, the the like rail station agent they tie up gets uh, untied and gets a posse together and they all chase down the robbers and shoot them and at the very end there's a guy in a cowboy hat that points a gun at the screen and fires the gun which is the that's, most iconic that's the famous this. thing i know i don't know anything yes. you know yeah. anything else about the movie other than the ending that they you know the good fellows yeah thing. the thing about this is it's not like the first narrative film or anything but it's like one of the first big ones that like hit in america mm -hmm. um and like instantly like all of the iconography of like the old west is like myth making is here which is uh interesting to me um uh, and it's 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 pretty fun. I mean, like I said, it's only twelve minutes. Uh, you just watch that on YouTube or whatever. Um, I but uh, yeah, I don't even remember what inspired me to watch this. Oh, I do. We were prepping for a very silly. Um, oh, yes. It'll be out in a, in two weeks. I guess I might um, also watch this then because it's twelve minutes long. Yeah. And Same. when I was when I was going through, I was like, oh, this is one of the first things on the list, and I haven't seen it, so I can I can just watch this. <laughs> um, the, those uh, early silence are easy to knock off the list. Um, anyway. Um, going in, uh, order, uh, in order, I watched things. Then I watched, so this is Paris, which is a 1926 silent comedy. It's an Ernst Lubitsch movie. Um, someone on Twitter was like, for some reason, HBO max has an incredible restoration of this film that is otherwise in like terrible quality. And I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe I'll watch it. So I did. Uh, it's fine. It's about like this, uh, young married couple, uh, who just like live in this upper class life. And then next door are like some, like club dancers they're like you know um like like cabaret dancers i guess almost anyway uh the wife's like oh go t go talk to them tell them to like put on some goddamn clothes and he goes over and discovers that the woman of this pair is his like ex um and basically they have this weird like 
cross relationship flirtation mess. Um, and then there's a bunch of dancing because, uh, you know, um, it's, it's a comedy about some dancers. Yeah. There's a whole big sequence where everyone's doing the Charleston and I'm like, Charleston's just not that interesting of a dance to watch. I'll be honest. Um, but it was fun. It was, it was fine. Uh, I don't have that much to say about it. It did look nice. Um, so if you're like, uh, checking off all these silence that are available, that's on HBO max. Nice. Then I watched, uh, so criterion has, um, a Judy Garland retrospective cause it's her hundredth birthday this month would have been her hundredth birthday. Um, it's not for pride. <laughs> it <laughs> joke well was for pride. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as a friend of Dorothy, I'm watching them for pride. <laughs> um, anyway, I watched babes in arms, which is a, uh, 1939 film version of a 1937 Broadway musical starring Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. It's about like these kids who are the kids of vaudevillians and vaudevillain, uh, vaudeville went away, right? Like it's fucked. The movie happened, movies happened, killed it stone dead. And they're like, but we want to put on shows. And the parents are like, absolutely not. You got to get real jobs. And he's like, well, what if I wrote songs and sold them to Broadway? Cause Broadway has taken over where vaudeville left off. And so he gets all the kids together, to try to put on a show. Um, and he's, he's like, tries to get a movie star in and he does. And he lands her and she's here. Um, she shows up and can just do everything. Cause she's like a movie star and everyone's like, Oh, we're just poor stage actors who can't do shit. Um, and Judy Garland's very jealous cause she likes Mickey Rennie. Um, and then they put on a big show and it's a big success. The big show they put on, of course, is 15 minutes of blackface. So that's the big warning on that one. <laughs> the Even movies. The, the, <laughs> the Criterion channel is like warning. There is an extended blackface scene in this movie. Yes. It's racist. They actually call it racist, which is great. Um, um, <laughs> just very like a, funny. not just the regular the, the period of the time and the values, the, just like I'm gonna keep it real with no, you. No, this is a super this movie racist. Is fucking racist. <laughs> yeah, yo, it's um, real good. And then ends in this baffling, like extended sequence where Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland are f- acting like they're like Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt as like they're singing the song about how like America's God's country and it's where the fascists don't rule. Um, because Europe's just where all of the Nazis are, basically. Um, <laughs> fucking on one. Um, and it's wild. Um, if you can, like, put up with that stuff, like, Mickey Rooney's great. I've never seen a Mickey Rooney before, movie before. I was like, holy shit, this kid can act. Um, he was already a big star, and he was, like, 19 already. Um, you know? Yeah, um, he and Judy were best friends. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty good. Uh, then I watched Wayne's World 2. <laughs> <laughs> all the classics uh, i had 90 minutes before we had to do a crossword uh last sunday and i was like what's 90 minutes on i think it was on paramount plus i was like what's here that's 90 minutes long and wayne's world 2 is 90 minutes long so i watched that um and you could once your movie was successful you could do fucking anything like wayne's world itself is like based on a saturday night live skit uh we're like recurring characters and it's kind of like goofy uh you know down their luck uh what what's public access tv guys who are just a bunch like two like doofy metalheads they're not even stoners like that's the thing is they're like very clean cut but they uh basically have the energy of stoners uh because it's the 90s no one's actually smoking weed on uh television or you know um but uh the second movie that like the movie is big so they just have like aerosmith in there like multiple times and a bunch of like uh famous like drew barrymore is in it and like um kim basinger and and heather locklear and jay leno and like just um bunch of like famous people mostly doing cameos of themselves um and it's just like this barely hung together amount like bits of skits and uh goofy ideas um for no other reason than they had the money and no one's gonna tell them no um i wouldn't call it like a bad movie but it's messy and only the way indulgent 90s movies can be um 
you could just make a movie about fucking anything back then. Um, and uh, like, there's like a whole scene. There's like literally a whole scene about ripping off the graduate, like the end of the graduate, but like twice. Cause the first time that he, he like runs and he's interrupting a wedding and he's like, he's at the first uh, pr like Presbyterian church and turns out that's the wrong uh, chapel. He needs to go to the second, which is right next door and runs over and does the exact same thing where he's like pounding on the glass. This is the only bit of Wayne's world one or two I've seen. Uh, okay. And it was really fucking funny to be fair. You it's just really funny. You sent me, it was like, Hey, you need to see this fucking graduate parody from Wayne's world. I'm like, okay. Did I send this to you? Yes. I didn't send this to you. <laughs> Not like four years ago. Like when I, oh, okay. when I watched the graduate, oh. like even longer okay. than that. Uh, but yes, one point in history, you just sent me like the the Wayne's oh. World two graduate sequence, and it was really funny. I don't remember doing this, but yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, no, but you have to admit, it sounds like a thing you'd do. That does, it does. Um, and then last night I watched Meet Me in St. Louis, which is the Vincent Minnelli, uh, nineteen forty four Technicolor Nightmare musical, um, starring Judy Garland and uh, Margaret O'Brien, who uh, fucking steals the show. She's like seven, and she's incredible in this film. Um. It's just about this, like, kind of upper class, kind of like, like upper class, but only barely, only by like heirs family who lives in uh, St. Louis. And they're uh, all the daughters are trying to get married off because they're all like all the ones who are of age and it's going poorly. And the dad's like, I might we might move to New York because I'll have better opportunity to take care of all you girls. And they're really sad about it because they want to go to the, the World's Fair, which is happening the next year. And it's like goes through a whole year of their life as they uh, meet some boys and um, a disaster befalls them on Halloween. And it's very like, there's no stakes, but it's just like good family melodrama, uh, great music. Um, there's a title song, obviously, but um, like uh, the trolley song is from this um, and have yourself a merry little Christmas was from this, which I didn't know until it just happened. I was like, holy shit. You didn't um, know. I did not know. That's like the most famous thing about that movie. Didn't know. It's really good. Uh, she fucking kills it. Know. Yeah. yeah, no, it makes me cry. Like her voice literally moves me to tears. Like I can't yeah. listen to that song. Um, so that's good. Uh, I haven't watched a ton of forties Technicolor movies. Just like disgusting to look at. Like not in a bad way, but it's just like everything is so oversaturated and like just color everywhere in a way that like just feels like too much information. Um, They're all like you know how every. You know, shop has the TV set to way too high saturation to make it look yes. like it's more color. Yeah, that's yeah. what these movies look like naturally. Yes. Um, Judith Garden's great in it. Um, she was fucking uh, high on pills this whole movie. She's 21 and then married the director shortly after. And he's 40. So, you know, Judy, every one of these watching, like every you, you watch the movie and read the thing. It's like, this is the horrible thing that's happening to Judy Garland during the production of this film. And I was like, man, fucking Hollywood. Yep, they killed her. They sure did. Um. Anyway, uh, that's all I've got. You watched so many movies. You watched the cinema. You went to the movies. <laughs> I, in fact, I sat on my couch multiple times. That, that's what I did. That's what the movies are now. Yeah, fair yep. enough. Unless you want to watch Top Gun. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Which I do not. So uh, I'm fine. Um, I've never even seen the original Top Gun. You, you know what? You're good. <laughs> I assume. Not a not an issue, I must say. <laughs> I think Destiny would like Top Gun more than you do. 
I, I just find I would, it internally boring. Like, I don't have like a. Yeah. It's not all oh, its military propaganda. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm like, take I, it or leave it about topic. I heard that there's a lot of like homoeroticism. And you can I'm do there better. For that. You've do seen, better. You've you seen actual better. movies from the 70s. You can do better. <laughs> Desi, speaking of homoeroticism, what did you watch? Vampiros Lesbos. The 1970 Jess Franco film uh, with Soledad, the late great Soledad Miranda as Nadine, the seductress vampire who seduces women to her castle. And there's a scientist that's trying to learn her secret so he could be immortal, which is often a plot in these 70s vampire movies. Um, it was high Euro trash, great psychedelic soundtrack, beautiful costumes hilarious sex scenes great fake thick red b-movie blood i had a good time uh this was my second time watching this movie the first time i watched it i don't know if i was just like i just wasn't on board for what it was dishing out and this time around i had a blast so i don't know what that was about but the the lady vampire is one of my favorite b-movie genres i think it is just so fun and uh this was not a disappointment Mm. Yeah. Uh Jackson. Uh I watched um the uh Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the third Indiana Jones. Fuck movie. yes. Um one of my favorite films. Had a mostly pretty good time because I was being given shit by the group DM, by all my friends. Were like, Oh, you haven't seen you haven't seen Indiana Jones and Last Crusade? And I was like, No. And on so on the day I went to see it. I opened the disc on the DVD and and it just didn't it just didn't work. So I watched um, Dog Day Afternoon instead. <laughs> That's my. I've never seen Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, I've always wanted to see that. Is it as good as it looks? It was one of my favorite movies at the time. Um, I don't know if it still holds mm. up. Uh, <laughs> okay. You say that doesn't mean a whole lot, unfortunately. Yeah, because I watched it in twenty twelve, but I did adore it. I bet it holds up. I we could fucking do Dog Day Afternoon right now. I don't give a shit. No, uh, I'm good. Um. Anyway, so yes, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is the one from my childhood. So I have an inordinate amount of affection for it. I love the adventure game logic. I love the fucking the penitent man shall pass like adventure game shit at the end. And like the the, the grail knight and shit. I love all that stuff. I eat it up. Okay. So there's a couple oh. things about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The amount that it's a video game is distracting. <laughs> yes. In the, like the, vi- I guess you're right. Adventure games already existed by this point, right? Like there's, there was, there was, I don't know exactly the timeline on when the Luke saw the Sierra I think the two is. things I like are almost like one begets the other, like b- back and forth. Like th- this is just, this is just what the moment was about. Oh, absolutely. But like, I thought this was too early to be like influenced by video games. Yet the specific thing with like the numbers and then the X is the 10 on the floor is yes. it, that's not, you don't put that in cinema. That's for a fucking video game. And it was so distracting to me, but it was like the most video game. Cause obviously all the genre is this, they're all treasure hunts with weird little puzzles, but that puzzle, yes. there's just something about it. It's the most, this is a video game bullshit thing ever. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, my, my reaction to the end and last crusade is broadly that I think, um, the script is kind of mid, very stupid. Anytime it tries to have themes, it's dumb, except for when it's um, Indy and his dad, and that stuff's pretty good. And I'm like, ah, Spielberg. Um, uh, yeah, no, I love... Uh, that's pro- That's like maybe my favorite Sean Connery. Eh, Zardoz is up there, but that's one of my favorite Sean Connery roles. Like, all that stuff's good. 
Um, but like what, when it's doing all the stuff with the actual plot, like all the stuff with the, the girl Nazi who's like, you know, it's kind of more sympathetic for her to be a Nazi because she's hot. And I'm like, this is so st- <laughs> fucking stupid, the thing that's happening. Um, uh, he meets Hitler. He gets a, he gets Hitler's signature. This is a, a, a one in the long line of like uh, modern depictions of like Nazis where you're like, but you make them look buffoons and you take away their power because they're that evil. And I'm like, I don't necessarily agree with that. But I feel like if anyone gets to do this for his like yes. adventure romp at Steven Silver. Spielberg absolutely <laughs> is allowed to do this with, you know, um, but uh, generally like that stuff fell kind of flat, but like, it was interesting in the how I think the movie fell flat in the like serious scenes, uh, because then when it cuts over to doing action scenes, it's you, you, it's just the most fucking virtuosic shit you've ever seen. Spielberg is yeah. here in this movie. There are yeah. just incredibly, you know, you know how like I feel similarly about Tintin, which is a like, okay movie uh, that has just some of the best action scenes you've ever seen in your goddamn life. Uh, yes, because <laughs> when Spielberg brings it, he fucking brings it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I love Tintin. That, yeah, uh, I I think the um does there is a like Buster Keaton tier incredible gag in where what's his face is just bumbling around the town and he's trying to like go you have to run away they they're trying to trick you here and he puts him in like a house and then the house folds up because it's actually a van and drives out and leaves a hole in the city. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> incredible <laughs> truly amazing bit um yeah uh and yes you're right that the there being just a guy at the end doing like i'm an old hero from the game the grail <laughs> oh so good that bit's amazing he has chosen poorly cho- i yeah i obviously knew he has chosen poorly uh, <laughs> yes i knew so i knew about the x i'd clearly seen the first 10 minutes one point because i knew about the stuff in the, yeah i'd seen the stuff in the uh uh, the like university. Um, oh, mm-hmm. first fifteen minutes, nigh unwatchable, awful. I hate young. I'm, Indiana Jones. I am. Uh, I am less. Uh, I am not against the way you are. I've never seen this series, which this is like setting up. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, it's like the action scenes, I guess, fine and well shot. But the part where like, I feel everything I hate about movies like ex- beginning here when it's like we have to beat by beat show all of indy's cat this is how he gets the hat this is how he becomes scared of snakes Did, yeah, you know yeah, no you're um, not wrong i'm like oh this is the dog's name is indy the dog's name is indy right like <laughs> all, all of these bits are just paying off like reverse setups and i'm like i didn't i don't care i hate this i hate this uh thankfully when it becomes harrison ford being on a ridiculous adventure i mostly enjoyed all the like action scenes uh it, you know it, it's not that deep it's fine um yeah no uh the um the bit where Indy falls off the cliff and everyone's like, he's dead. <laughs> and then, like, he walks up behind them. Also, one of the best <laughs> gags in the movie. Yeah. Um, uh, Indian Jones is just good. Uh, that's the secret. Like, the fourth one's not very good. I, the second one's not very good. But uh, when they hit, the hits. Uh, oh, just and that, new, that fifth one's still coming out, right? Yes, that is that is, is supposedly it? finished filming. Yeah. yeah. Weird. Uh, oh, I, just because I'm like shouting out all the best gags in the movie because I feel like it's just a very gag-heavy movie. There's a bit where he, Indy's having his like crisis of consciousness to whether he's going to like go back into the lion's den and go to Berlin or whether he's going to escape. Now he's got his den, and it, he's run away from like a German prison, right? Where he's 
yeah. rescues his dad. And in the German Castle mount- Wolfenstein. Yeah, basically. And in the German <laughs> mountains approaches a wooden sign and it zooms in on the wooden sign and it says, Turn left for Berlin, turn right for Venice. It's and really good. I had to pause because I laughed so hard I like physically hurt. That's the fucking cinema. <laughs> That's the cinema to me. Yeah. You you have nailed why I think it's a great movie. Yeah. So yeah, had a good had a great time with all the all that stuff. Um uh, so glad glad I did finally cross that off the list, I guess. Yeah. Um, better than Temple of Doom. That's for damn. Oh, sure. yeah, Temple of Doom is just a fucking bad. Me, the thing on Temple of Doom. Destiny's over here, like I like Temple of Doom. <laughs> I like Temple of Doom, but that was the, that was my childhood Indiana yeah. Jones movie. So I know yeah. it's riddled with problems, but kid me, the inner child would watch it right now. My memory yeah. of Temple of Doom, maybe this isn't true, and I'd have to go back and check. Um, is like obviously a lot of problems. That's not why I don't like the movie. <laughs> it, it's because it looks cheap and is a kind of a bad action film. Like was Spielberg having an off day? Um, my <laughs> There's stuff I like the I like the big shootout in uh, is it Hong Kong? I don't actually remember where the first part this, takes place. This, this, the, I, I think it might be Shanghai, but I might be okay. Hong Kong. Yeah, I really like that big shootout, but like I think the minecart thing sucks. It's just a bad sequence. Um, and that's like the big one in the movie. So yeah, my memory is everything in like the the caves look really cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's been like a decade since I've watched that, so I can't say for sure. But I do remember really not liking it. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, we should get to our movie. Um, our movie this week is The African Queen, uh, directed by John Huston, written by John Huston, James Aggie, Peter Vertel, John Cole, based on The African Queen by C.S. Forrester. Uh, this came out December 26th, uh, 1951, missing Christmas Day by one, I guess. Um, distribution was pro- it just says foxwell shire so it probably aired in like it was probably in like one theater at that point but um uh jackson what happens in the movie uh in this movie um okay so honestly a fairly simple plot uh it's in africa it's in 1914 uh, it's yeah it's in 1914 um they have names but i'm just gonna call them <laughs> captain Hepburn, Humphrey Bogart. mr all <laughs> <laughs> he is mr all she does say mr all like a million and rosie. times rosie rosie and mr all rosie and mr all okay well and captain Hepburn is rosie who is a missionary in africa uh, in 1914, specifically in German East Africa, uh, which means that the German army comes, burns down the village, and takes all the villagers to be in the German army. Uh, le- yeah, leaving. World War One happens. Yeah, World War One <laughs> happens. You know, interrupting their otherwise clearly unproblematic pastoral life as missionaries in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, she is a missionary with her uh, with her brother, uh, who is who dies, uh, like shortly after. Uh, this happens and the the village is laid to waste and then in in all of his world being like taken away from him kind of like becomes delirious and, and dies and leaves Rosie alone. Um uh, uh Harry Bogart is Charlie Allnuts, who is just a guy who also lives here on a boat going between the towns. He shows up and like has some food with them early on, and then after the village burns down, uh, comes back, meets Rosie, and feels sorry for her and takes her on a boat so she doesn't have to live completely alone in a, in a desolate, burned-down village uh, with no yes. one else. Um, and so with that sympathy, he takes her, uh, but she turns out to uh, want to go on a mission to destroy the large gunboat that's like uh basically preventing the british forces from attacking by the sea from the south um 
at least as Charlie Allnut described it, there's no there's no contact with the troops. They just, he, she just says, we're going to take this boat here, we're going to fill these things and make them into torpedoes, and then we're going to destroy that boat, and then they'll end the war, just like that. It's, just, it's like a, her idea of quick national heroism. Uh, Charlie being a little more world-weary is like, you've lived in a room for the last d- decade. It's not That's not how anything works. Uh, but she bullies him into accepting, uh, and then they go on this uh, road trip down the river for the rest of the movie and they fall in love as you would expect them to do uh and like she pours away all his gin and makes him clean up uh his act she gets like a taste for adventure and enjoys going over the rapids and they become a team uh and finally make uh the missions where they're going to like attack the big boat uh and it fails immediately because they're a tiny boat uh and they just fall over <laughs> just just tips over into the water capsizes. By, by cutting by cutting the holes to put the torpedoes in the bow they allow the boat to fill with water and it sinks who could have seen that coming <laughs> um so the boat like flips over and sinks and then um uh they uh like both separated uh charlie gets captured by the, the germans that they were going to sink and assumes that rosie is dead does not answer their questionings um and is sentenced to hanging. Uh, after that, Rose just just arrives after he's sentenced uh, and confesses to everything in order so she can also die with him and get uh, uh, hanged together. Before they are hanged, um, they are married by the ship's captain, who's like, I guess I'll do that for you before I kill you. <laughs> uh, and right as they are about to be killed, uh, the boat runs into the floating, uh, you know, the floating remains of the African queen hitting the torpedoes and sinking the boat and they have achieved it. Yay. Yay. They jump overboard and swim away. The end. Happy ending. The end. Happy ending. So I uh, picked this movie kind of out of a hat. It's like one of those that I've always heard about and um, I really like Catherine Hepburn. I'd never seen it. No, that's not true. I've seen Maltese Falcon. I haven't seen very many John Huston movies. Um, and I'd always thought of this one as like, a, like one of those like, uh, Hollywood is kind of in its in a weird place and made this grim movie about them on a boat. I uh, didn't realize it was a cartoon movie about buffoons <laughs> on a suicide mission. <laughs> yeah, genuinely no idea. You see, you see, you see Haggard. I like, you know, I've seen pictures. You see Haggard Hum- Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn looking all sweaty on a on a boat. You're like, oh, like I've seen Fitzcarraldo. It's going to be something like that. Not anything. Like- <laughs> no, nothing like that. I didn't realize that's what you thought. I knew. I knew it was kind of a romance, so I was fine. But you're like, yeah, I was like, oh, I was, I was expecting Hollywood like ro- like there was going to be a romance. Obviously, I was expecting something a little more like grim and fatalistic, and not. He picks up a missionary, and the first thing she does is convince him that what they need to do is good, like, you know, uh, he's a Canadian, but they're they're both, like, good British citizens, um, is to fucking go and, like, hit the Germans to, like, help the war effort um, because she's a religious zealot. Just period. <laughs> that's that's who her character is, and that zealotry ends up like bleeding into everything she does. But it makes her very scary as a person. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's just ridiculous. Because you think that like the way these movies go, and by these movies I mean these kind of like romances specifically, is like you get the sheltered rich woman who doesn't know how the world works, and you get mm-hmm. like you know uh, 
well-traveled man, working man, who's going to put her in a place, but also open her up. And, you know, they're going to have... Re- and that does kind of happen. She, However, yeah, but she fucking rolls him. So she hard. absolutely steamrolls him because she don't, he doesn't even like teach her how to enjoy a boat. She's the one that's like, oh, let's fucking go over the rapids again. Oh, you a pussy? You fucking pussy? <laughs> 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 uh, it's so funny. Uh, yeah, and so like I'm I'm a huge Hepburn fan. I like all of her like classic comedies. So I, I'd always want to see this. I'm not the biggest Humphrey Bogart fan. Like you know, I've, I like Casablanca, but like. In a lot of his like famous like big um, like noir roles like Maltese Falcon uh, or um, uh, Big Sleep, I actually think he's often like the weaker part, and so I was like not really expecting to be impressed. I think he's incredible in this movie, giving yeah. him like a comedy role where he gets to be kind of a, like a well-meaning but like kind of like dense and set in his ways doofus. Fucking kills it. He's so good in this. Yeah, they're both powerhouses in this yeah um and so i just ended up being super delighted by their horrible badly intentioned mission to go uh win the war against the germans uh yeah it's it's really fun because it's just it, the mission's entirely based on like his vague description of what's yes. happening uh it's like oh, i guess the jam the british people could come from here but you know there's a big guy he's just kind of shooting the shit and she's like okay then we're doing this are you are you, are you a coward have you abandoned your country and he's like i Look, I'm Canadian. I'm Canadian. <laughs> I'm Canadian. <laughs> uh, in the book, apparently, he's meant to like. In the book, he had a um, uh, what do I want there? Cockney accent, and uh, Bogart's like, "No, I'm not doing that." <laughs> oh, can you imagine this entire movie? <laughs> but he's got the like Ocean's Eleven Don Cheadle voice. I was gonna say he's doing a fucking Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Holy shit. Um. Yeah. Um. It's more funny him as a Canadian because he just gets the the remove of like I don't even go here. I'm from America. Thank you. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I, I was just also like while this movie is really funny, the thing I was thinking about watching, I'm like, this is this is like the timeline doesn't actually work out, but like this is Hollywood's this is the Hollywoodization of Wages of Fear. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah. I was you think yeah. an actual man on a mission, like tense ass movie, and when you move it through the Hollywood machine, you get this where like they slapped a romance in, and it's mostly like a romp, and it's good, but like you know nothing's bad's gonna happen to anyone, and it's just re- and like I, I think Wages of Fear is fifty five, so it doesn't actually work out, but like that's what I was thinking of watching this movie. Uh, yeah, I also thought of Wages of Fear once the like boiler started breaking, had to repair it underwater. Yes. yes. And I'm like, oh, this is yeah, this is absolutely similar to that. Oh, they 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 primitive technologies YouTube videoed fix the boat. Yes, <laughs> the fellows and, and and welding metal together. It's very funny. Yeah, um, but it is. It's fun to just watch a movie where characters have to encounter problems and then surmount them. Uh, it's just fun. More movies should be like this. This is easy writing. You don't even have to do anything. No. Just um, get- good actors yes setting yep you get you get attacked by flies you just need to put a filter as everyone's like swatting the air uh (laughs) that was hilarious um you get everyone delirious in the reeds you get uh you get uh humphrey bogart literally like having a a nervous breakdown because he's been covered in leeches uh which is very funny um love all that stuff it's good just, it's just very good. Um, I don't know. I thought uh, I had a great time. And then the the buffoonish ending where they meet the, the Germans and the Germans are even dumber than they are. The ending's really funny because on, on the one level, I'm like, 
Well, they probably should have died because then that makes the ending better. But like the 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 the, the problem the problem with the ending and. This is a thing they can't get around, is that, like, death by hanging is not a, like, romantic way to go. They're just kind no. of, like, standing there. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, firing squad, if they're, like, standing together, you can make, you can fucking do some cinema there. You can't really do it when they're just standing there getting, like, awkward. It's not even, like, at the gallows. They're fucking, like, at sea with these stupid guys lifting them up. No, this is a, this is a uncinematic execution scene uh so obviously it can't succeed they have to just jump overboard and be like we did it hooray oh what a happy ending <laughs> it's very funny i mean it's it's hollywood they didn't if they had like implied maybe that they were doing something a little more sordid on that boat maybe they would have died but like hang on <laughs> hang on a second <laughs> hang on a second this movie is ludicrous for the amount that like once they hook up every time the cameras cut away they are fucking they are constantly fucking in this movie <laughs> they are non-stop fucking on that boat um, they don't yeah, talk about it but come on <laughs> the 50s were a different world it was just a different time they're not gonna kill them off unless they give them get a reason for them to be guilty in some way uh and they're the heroes uh yeah no i wasn't like disappointed by the ending it was just it was just a very strange ending and i looked up like what the book that, ending was and it was very different the book ending is like it's like not it's obviously like less pat but in like a very book way that would not work in a film i mean that's no. not why they changed it no, but the book ending is like this is the longest uh, sixteen years in uh, Western history. Because <laughs> uh, in the book ending, the the Germans like take pity on them and transfer them back to the British consulates. Um, yes, and then the British just go and sink the boat, and then they're like, "Oh, go! You should go enlist in the army." And it's yes, and it's all about ah, oh, they're two noble European things in a tragic war, uh, and then World War Two happens in between the writing of the book and the making of yes. this movie. Um, so even though you know different Germany, different army, uh, they can no longer have the Germans be anything other than super evil. Uh, well, yeah, the thing about this movie is like. I had to remind myself, I'm like, oh, wait, this is World War One, not World War Two, because the yes. way they talk about, like, oh, the Germans are coming, I'm like, oh, this, this is just full of World War Two, like, the way people think after World War Two, right? Which is really funny, because, like, <laughs> they're both evil European, arm like, imperial armies, right, in Africa. The, the British and the German army yes. at this point are both equally evil, they both suck, uh, but, the, like, World War Two morality has been implanted on it in the retelling in this movie. Yes. Um, and, like, as if the... British in Africa are underdog good guys. Yes. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Um, I love um so this is a Technicolor movie. Um all the like early stuff is shot in Africa. They they hold Technicolor uh, you know, cameras to Africa to shoot uh in, in this village. Um I love all of that stuff. It, it like uh there's like the the stories on set where like everyone was sick other than Bogart and Houston because all they drank was booze the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's right. Like Hepburn was like puking yeah, that. The bit entire... where she's the, yeah, the bit where she's playing the organ, they have a bucket just off screen because she's puking her guts out every time the camera cuts. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. Uh, which is why she's like pouring sweat. Because <laughs> she's just genuinely incredibly sick. Consummate professional oh. during that scene, I guess, because goddamn yeah. Bogart just it. hard drinking like six years away from being dead uh, at this point. Um, yes. You know, hard living. Um, but uh, then when they get on the boat, like all the boat stuff is shot on a set um, with a big like flyaway, like boat where all the pieces fly away or whatever. And you just get the most like all the process shots, like the real projection, the scale is off on like every single one of them in a way that's so charming to me. 
Yes. I, the way this movie like, shot is like, really interesting. When they're in the rapids, the rapids just look enormous. It looks like they've they've shrunk down to the size of a toy boat because the rapids are filmed so weird. Well, there's that scene where like they go over the rapids fountain and like in the wide yes. shot, the boat just goes vertical. They've both died. Yes, they're fucking <laughs> dead. And then it comes back to the boat where the boat is just a regular boat on the like horizontal plane of gravity, yes. but it's really wet now. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. oh, okay, I guess we're fine. I guess we're totally fine yeah. here. Yeah, because the the rapids were all like miniature shots, and then like yeah, all the boat stuff's very projection, and then they you know they shot the village and all of the like animal plates like in Africa, but everything else like them in the reeds and all that that's all sets. Yes, um, you can tell. Yeah, um, but it's it, the the dichotomy is just good in a way that like only Hollywood gets away with this, and it's always delightful when they do. Um. I just miss this kind of thing where like clear sets, rear projection, but also location. You spent the money on the location shooting when you needed it. And I love that. Uh, yeah. I've not really seen a movie that looks like this before. Um, I, all of the early color movies I've seen were like, you know, I've seen Black Narcissus, right? And then I, I've seen Peeping Tom. Peeping Tom. Um, when was Peeping Tom? Was that fifty awesome? something? That's an, it's not Technicolor. It's uh, the other one we talked about this. Yes. Before, yeah, I can't remember what it is. It is an early color movie. That's nineteen sixty. That's that's a decade yeah, yeah. later. Yeah, that's true. Um, but like I'm I'm used to uh like these movies being like massive event scale movies that like we've got yes. the camera which this is just kind of shot like a black and white movie except it's in color. Um, yes. It just it's shot like it's it, it was very distracting is the wrong word it's just like an aesthetic thing like the the way this movie is shot very matter of fact very like this is a guy in 1951 shooting a goddamn movie uh but just now it's just in beautiful colors is a, a yes. very cool effect that I've not got that much because I've not explored that many early color films and the ones I have have usually been the huge ones the ones that like oh this used color in a really incredible way yes mm-hmm. um, and not just he's shooting this like he would have 10 years before yeah he's just kind of shooting the yeah. movie like he would shoot the movie but it, look at the colors yeah yeah, yeah, Africa yeah. looks you, pretty beautiful. Yep. Uh, you mentioned, I think you mentioned, maybe it was you. Uh, most of my friends watched the movie in the last two days about the the soft focus shot of Catherine Hepburn. Yes. <laughs> um, just being like, like it's black and white, it just doesn't work the same in color. <laughs> uh, it's charming though. <laughs> yes. Um, because it's weird because like you have those like oh she's like a you know a beautiful flower that that has been hidden away in in the, the you know the jungles of Africa kind of stuff but the actual part where she's at her best is like when she's steering the boat dripping with water just being Catherine Hepburn no, yes total badass it's the bit where like the boat's covered in water and dirt and they're both like t-shirt rugged fixing up the boat yes um yes I'm like yeah yeah. The part where she's trying to scramble up the side of the boat. Yes. <laughs> just no fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it's great. So awesome. Um, but yeah, I had, I had a great time with this. I was delighted by how silly it was. I was not expecting that. Genuinely, like I said, I, I thought this was going to be a more uh, <laughs> a more ridiculous. There's even a bit early on uh, where they talk about uh, when the Germans made, uh, when they brought the uh, Koenig and Luisa uh, into the lake, they they literally shipped it and brought it over the mountains piece by piece and assembled it like Fitzcarraldo in the fucking lake. Um, and um, and then the movie itself is just a cartoon. That was very funny to me. <laughs> that is hilarious. I didn't realize that. 
they, they, yeah, because they, he mentions it, right? He talks about like taking it, like hauling it over the mountain, um, mm-hmm. and how remarkable that was. I'm like, yeah, man, I fucking love Fitzcarraldo. <laughs> Let's rewatch it. Let's watch it for this. Um, I mean, we could at some point. I got the Blu-ray. It's great. I love Fitzcarraldo. Anyway, uh, that I have nothing else. If you have anything, uh, no, Mercy just had a really good time. I was expecting something a little different, more like adventurey, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah. And instead, it was just a good time. We got to bring, we got to bring the, like these movies back. Uh, where yes. <laughs> at one point, Hollywood was just about movies where you just had these big, sweeping, often extremely stupid romances. That was just what they fucking made. Um, yeah, the characters have a goal. In pursuing the goal, they come to an understanding, and that understanding involves uh, Mackin. And uh, you could. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's the cinema. That's the cinema. That's, that's the cinema. It's great. You have a good time. You leave. It's you come back again next week. It's a great time. Uh, yeah, that just went away. I mean, like you know, romantic comedies still exist, and movies still have like uh, you know romantic plots in the middle of them. But the modern blockbuster just doesn't have this anymore. Yeah, uh, it's gone. It's it's dead, uh, mm-hmm. and that's a shame. Yeah. All right. Um, Dustin, you have anything else? Or we can no, I don't. It, okay. I, I liked the movie. It was good. Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. I wish they could have had another one in them. Yeah. Um, anyway, if you'd like to send emails, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, they can be about the movies we're covering or just general movie questions. We like both. Uh, our emails this week. Our first one's from Aiden. Uh, what slapstick gags always make you laugh in a movie? I'm a mark for when a car comes from off screen and hits someone when they're not looking, Duh. but they don't like die. <laughs> It's funny when they die as well sometimes. Yeah. The one I always, uh, I remember when I saw uh, Mean Girls, when she gets hit by the bus in the theater, fucking laughing till my stomach hurt. <laughs> to be fair, it's hilarious. Yes. Yes, it is. I was thinking about Final Destination 1, which has basically the same oh, gag, yes. but he does die because it's Final Destination. That's true. <laughs> um i i love a good uh, in a horror movie i like a good like ironic impalement that's probably the one i'll laugh the most at um it's always a good time especially when it's goopy there's um a full cheese uh zombie um there's a bit where a character gets their eye impaled on a door slap ah! very slowly no don't <laughs> describe it's, it's these so things funny to me. it's so funny <laughs> it's so gory <laughs> This is a family podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny. Uh, It's very fake. It's fine. Um, But uh, I like I like when uh, someone falls down. I love a good like just literal pratfall. Someone just falling over while tripping. This is the I love a good fall. Yes. Yeah. Is that's kind of where I was thinking? There's many like ways you can go in high concept slaps the comedy but at the end of the day when a guy who's not meant to fall over fucking falls over that's that's comedy the, the one i yeah. like is where he falls over but like clearly is like like when dick van dyke at the beginning of the dick van dyke show trips over the thing and does like a little like flourish and it's like ah oh, hey that's the trick ah uh, that i eat that shit up <laughs> me too i love that shit yeah i'm trying to think of one from a movie but i can't think yeah. of any off the top of my head uh, Chaplin does this like every three seconds. <laughs> yeah, Chaplin's great. Chaplin does this like every three seconds. That is that is correct. Um, One of the greats. Hilva writes in: Has who is producing a film ever enticed you to watch a movie? Um, my thing here is that I think this is like a bell curve of like being into movies. 
um, kind of thing where like when I was just getting into movie, like we're really getting into movies in like the early aughts when like Tarantino was on a lot of stuff like producing and when I like, like, you know, the Tarantino presents blah, blah, blah. That worked on me. Cause I was new and I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. If he yeah. signs off on it, then it must be interesting. Right. Like, you know, um, it's part of the brand of selling a certain type of film. And I think that's like a good way to find stuff. I think you kind of move away from it. I mean, and then sometimes you can move back into it, but like in a different way. Right. That's a di- <laughs> Hmm. I feel like that's a different thing because I don't know how many movies ta- like I associate that with more like Tarantino and Scorsese bringing like foreign movies and trying to like use their brand. Yeah, to promote yeah, them. yeah. But that's part of that's part of what this question is. I guess so. I was thinking more like the way that Just King thinks of, like falling into um uh, uh Lorenzo de Bonaventura movies. No, the other guy. What am I? Who's that's the other? That's the new guy. That's the what's the guy? Oh, uh, the Dino De Laurentiis. Dino De Laurentiis. Stuff? De Laurentiis? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dino De Laurentiis. Well, I mean, stuff. look, I love a De Laurentiis production. I've I've also crossed this Rubicon and never coming back. But like, um, I feel like there's a difference between uh the famous directors putting their stamp on uh movies that were already made, trying to like give them a push in America, and when you fall into like the B movie production studios. Um, yeah, but like. The, the 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 middle ground between those two things is like when Spielberg was producing his guys, like Poltergeist, right? Having Spielberg's yes. name on production means something, even though he probably didn't actually have that much to do with the movie. That's true. Um, and um, I like you come back around to like caring about that stuff. I think later, but like ultimately, whatever gets you to watch movies is fine, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I don't really think that hard about it. I agree. Yeah, it doesn't really like sway me, but I definitely did fall for that Tarantino stuff in the nineties. Yeah, I mean, Criterion just announced Volume Four of Scorsese's World Cinema Project or whatever. Um, he's still churning that stuff out. Uh, seems cool. Um, Autumn writes in: Humphrey Bogart's one of my favorite actors, but I've only seen two, maybe three of his movies. Do y'all have any actors you really like but haven't actually seen that much of? I felt that way about Judy Garland. That's why I'm trying to really work on this uh, project now that they're, she's on Criterion stuff. I really like I've seen I saw Wizard of Oz, which I you know, it's fine. Um, but like, you know, it's hard. It's so in the culture. It's hard to like for me to care that much about Wizard of Oz. But I really like Summerstock, which I saw because I like Gene Kelly and she's incredible in that movie. And I was like, oh, Judy Garland. Um, so I've only seen um, of Greta Garbo, Ninochka and Dinner at Eight. And they're uh-huh. both she's like distractingly good in both and mm-hmm. i would love to see margreta garbo mm-hmm. um i've only seen three like tony lung movies uh mm-hmm. absolutely oh man been, he's been, like, a uh, fucking yeah. banger in all of- i haven't even seen the um uh like in the mood for love and that stuff uh, yeah i've just seen his more like action stuff where he's just the coolest man who's ever lived mm. um so i want to see more of those for sure um crystal writes in if you were to abandon it all and live a life as a pirate podcaster on the open seas what would you name your boat <laughs> what would i name my boat i don't know yeah i don't have a good name it would be some stupid reference or whatever i was thinking i would that call day. it the crosstalk okay <laughs> i uh i think i would name mine fresh air with terry gross <laughs> <laughs> full name that's the all in the name of the book yes 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 absolutely um our friend Nora was talking the other day about um just you know just uh to us about does anyone do you ever have the thing where you like 
project yourself like on interview shows, like if you were famous. And I don't really do this anymore. But there was a period of my 20s uh, that I really wanted to be on Fresh Air being interviewed by Terry Gross. It's like Terry Gross, like part of the reason I got into podcasts because I would listen to her show, uh, just like they had archives online. I was like, I'm, I've listened to all of these that I, I like, you know, I'm interested in listening to. What else is out there? And found podcasts. This is like in the odds. Um, and um, just had a lot of affection for it. So probably never going to be on it, unfortunately, but I will name my boat. Because <laughs> uh, fresh air is like just a normal name for a boat, so you got to have a little flourish. Uh, I think it's great. Someone, someone's got to have the HMS Squarespace. I feel like that's <laughs> like a given. Well, if you need a boat that's fast and easy, <laughs> <laughs> build it beautiful. The RSS feed. God, that's good. <laughs> that's a good one. Thank you. Um, uh, Tron writes in um, with some questions. What is your favorite shot or scene from this movie? A lot of good ones. Um, I liked the bug swarm because it was just so ridiculous. Like I didn't mm. expect it and it was really cartoony and kind of fake, but like in a really charming way. And it just cracked me up. Um. I think mine is uh, the the particular shot of him uh, after he gets all of the leeches off, realizing they're stuck again, like immediately and having to get back in the water, just looking like the saddest dog in all of the world. <laughs> uh, yeah. Humphrey Bogart got so like not cool in this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jackson shot. I don't really have a specific shot. Like my favorite scenes are just them on the boat. Uh, mm. I guess the I really like the one where he's um <laughs> he's in the rain and so like goes under the cover and then she gets like really fucking mad at him so he just goes and sits outside in the rain again <laughs> before she like, says you may enter. <laughs> it's so it's good. Really good. That's pretty good. Uh, what is your least favorite animal slash organism slash organism? Least favorite, yeah. I suppose like le le leeches are animals. I assume it's because of the leech. Leech is like a weird. Thing. I mean, I guess I don't like leeches. Your least favorite, though. I don't know. I I don't have a. I've never considered ranking all the animals in my mind, and then within that ranking, what falls at the bottom? <laughs> I Giant isopods. Destiny's thought about this. Giant isopods. Fuck them. Hope isopods they die. They bad. hope they all die. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope <laughs> they burn in hell. <laughs> um. I think mine might be like, 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 um, what I want, like fungus, but not like mushrooms, but like, like, just like creeping fungus. I think it's gross. Uh, I mean, you're right. It is gross. Yeah. What do you got? I still don't have anything. I have not. What do you want me to say? Like, I, <laughs> I don't like weird insects, I guess. And there you go. Um, have any of you ever done whitewater rafting? No, I know. No. I've been, I've been like uh, canoeing and kayaking, but not on anything challenging. Um, I've never really been inner tubing. People do rapids on air tubes. That seems very dangerous. I was not a strong swimmer growing up. I'm much better now. So, but I've the opportunities to. I'm not. I'm not in a life situation where I'm going boating with anybody. So. Uh hasn't come up and then uh we have one last from rick uh what's your favorite movie about boats and your favorite boat scene in a movie not about boats 
My favorite <gasps> boat scene in a movie not about boats is, of course, uh, when they jump onto the boat in uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. That's pretty good. <laughs> you know what? Not a bad one. <laughs> my favorite movie about boats is probably Down Periscope. Oh my god! Which is a which is a years. stupid Kelsey Grammer sex comedy, military sex comedy, basically about a bunch of like losers who it's like riffing on submarine movies, but it's a bunch of losers who have to like prove this old submarine still's got legs and they're good at their jobs. And it's very dumb, but I watched it a lot as a kid, so I have a lot of fondness for it. Um, My favorite movie about boats uh, is an extremely boring answer, but it's Battleship. Or Fitzcarraldo. Yeah, I was going to say, mine is probably Fitzcarraldo. Yeah. Uh, Battleship Potemkin, you were saying? I haven't seen that. I should watch that. It's really, really good. It's so good. My favorite boat scene in a movie not about boats, though. That's hard. That one's really hard. I'm having a hard time thinking of stuff. Not Good about question, boats, though. But it's got boats. You know, boats happen. The, the thing I immediately thought of when I even watched the movie is uh, them dumping the body over the side of the boat and tenant. <laughs> <laughs> that scene. Oh, I was, I was like, Tenet's a really bad movie. Um, yeah. Chris Nolan is playing it like so super seriously all the time, but then there's like a bit that's almost transcendentally good right at the end where they kill the main bad mm. guy uh, and he they throw him overboard and like. They just use a model that like bumps down the side of the boat like it's the Homer Simpson scene where he's hitting the mountain. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, then like, it's really good. like the soundtrack plays like a bore as he hits the water. And it's so funny. I don't know if it's intended to be funny, but it like all of the dourness of that movie is building up to the moment where Kenneth Branagh's head hits the side of the boat and she pushes him over. And the word so funny. <laughs> The worst thing about Nolan is, unlike Hitchcock, he has not realized that the thing he's born to do is comedy. Oh, God, if he realized that, he could take over the world. Yes. Um, all my favorite Hitchcock movies are the funny ones, um, for good reason. Um, I was thinking about this, and the, the thing I eventually came to is the opening of Star Trek Generations, where they're all on the big sailing ship. <laughs> that That's pretty dumb. Oh. <laughs> It's yeah. pretty dumb. I yeah. uh, have great fun. They uh, put Crusher in the water. Data throws Crusher into the water. Uh, this is just one from my childhood, but shout out to the incredibly bad boat chase from the beginning of uh, the... What's the... Oh, shit. I literally thought you were going to shout this one out. What's it? Is it The World Is Not Enough? World Is Not Enough. Thank you. Uh, oh. I think about it all the time. watched it a lot as a kid. Uh, yeah. Keep remembering the way he like does a full flip under the water, and like two shots later, his hair's just completely dry. Uh, and then he ends up falling down yes. the Millennium Dome by the end. The Stupid. thing is, it is a cool, it is a cool boat chase. It is like, a cool they, boat chase. They fucking shot the thing. Yeah, they, they do shoot a boat chase down the Thames. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, that's it for uh, emails. Abnormal Mapping Podcast at gmail.com. We love movie emails. Please send them in. Um, if you're ever just like thinking, oh, I have a movie thing, send it in. Doesn't matter how dumb it is. We'll take them. That's so true. Um, next time, Jackson. Uh, okay. I have a movie. I was like... Yeah. Oh, I, I had a couple movies. And I'm like, which one do I want to do? And I think I've made my decision. Um, okay. okay. I would like to do the 1993 or 4. I don't actually know which year it was. Uh, movie The Madness of King George. Sure. Oh. I don't know what the fuck this is. I mean, I assume I've... it's about King George. It's about King yeah, George going fucking mad. 
Uh, it's, it is like a classic British movie from the 90s. I don't know. Could end up being totally bad and fascist. We'll fucking see, I guess. It is well-beloved. <laughs> uh, I hope it's just a good time. It's a movie about, like, I'm very sure about King George going mad. Major but it's Hawthorne, like, Helen Mirren, Ian Holm. Yeah, Man. 90s yeah. British yeah. movies, you know. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I hope it's just good. And I, I was going through it. Oh, like, it's based on a play, and uh, Hawthorne was... King George in the play. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, the play's only like a couple years before the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have not not watched this before, and I was like, no one else is ever going to pick a movie like this, so I'll, I'll give this one a go. No, I would not. Uh, this is our research before we do an episode on Hamilton. We're not doing an episode on Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a movie. We're doing that after episode. Uh, they did a movie Rogers. version. Oh, my God. It's, it's, um, I, I, yeah, you you are correct. I agree that film stage productions are also movies, but one day they're going to make a Hamilton movie. You know that, right? They will make a Hamilton movie, yes. I'm surprised they haven't put one in production yet. Uh, God. Anyway. I hope I hope they wait and do it like rent like rent to the movie of the musical where everyone's twenty years too old to be their characters. That's, you're, oh, they're almost that there. If they put it into production now, it'd be about the same time frame. Yeah. God, is that true? Hamilton's Fuck. 2016. So, like, it, yeah. they'd have to be... If they spent three years making the movie, it'd be almost around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As the one person on Earth who's still like, I like Rent. Uh, <laughs> Not the movie, though. <laughs> uh, I like the movie. The okay. movie's how I was introduced to it. Okay. I mean, I've seen the show, like, twice now. And, like, I prefer the show for a lot of reasons. But, like, I have a fondness for the film. Um, uh I have some affection for Rent in the abstract of my sister was playing those songs. Like, she plays every musical, like, just on repeat my entire teen, so I know a lot of them. Yes. Um, Rent was one of the better ones to listen to in the other room, let me tell you that. <laughs> the Rent and Phantom <laughs> movies came out, at, like, as I was getting into high school and getting into college and also, like, coming out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's part of, like, that's part of it. I understand. This is this is this is a uh, boring gay culture. <laughs> <laughs> boring at all. I think it's great. I think it's beautiful. Happy Pride. Just saying. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm excited to watch this. Uh, plugs. Destiny. At Fridge Buzz now on the Twitter.com, and my other podcast is also on Abnormal Mapping. It is called Badland Girls. All right. Uh, Jackson. You can find me at Headfuls Off on Twitter.com. You can find the podcast that me and M do at AbnormalMapping.com. Uh, we've got Abnormal Mapping, the game club, coming out uh, pretty soon with new Mother 3. Yeah, that'll be a good talk. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. Trying to tweet more on me. I feel like I've done all right. Um, and uh, if you'd like to support us, uh, we're all Patreon supported. Patreon.com slash normal mapping. $1 a month gets you the great Gundam project every week. We watch two episodes of Gundam, the, the whole franchise. We're currently watching SD Gundam Force, which is a CG show from the aunts that's like for kids. It's really good so far. Uh, and we're watching Digimon Frontier, which is like the, the real shit for the third Digimon series. Um, and that's great fun. For $5, I mentioned earlier, you get Blockbusters once a month when- where we watch a... Uh, what? Well, you said Digimon Frontier. It's Digimon Tamers. Ah, Tamers. Digimon Tamers. Sorry. <laughs> we're not um, watching Digimon Frontier. Sorry to No, confused. we're not watching Digimon Frontier. Uh, uh, we do Blockbusters. We just recently put out Soul. We've got a whole bunch of episodes there. Next month, we're doing Good Morning Vietnam, which will be fun. Um, and for $10, you get uh, Voip Life, where every two weeks, we kind of goof off. And uh, we've got a we've got a repertory screenings-themed episode coming out soon. We so sure do. That. Yeah. Um, it'll be fun. Uh, anyway, that's it. Until next time, movies. Now more than ever. Don't expect to like them. <laughs>